Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Cavs the pod cap tonight. Uh, Cavs <laughs> beat the Raptors 116-105 and pretty much were in control for from the tip. I would say the the Raptors cut it to two in the second quarter. Is that right, Eg? Yeah, and and uh, then, I think it was two. It might have been four, yeah. but yeah, it was clo- it, that was the closest they got. Yeah, and then from then on, it that was about uh, all she wrote. For for the uh, for the Raptors, um, and and we can get into it a little bit. Um, I guess they did get uh, thirty two. They they got to two points with about about halfway through the second quarter. It was forty one thirty nine, but that was that was as close as they got after that. And then the Cavs in the third quarter went out to a twenty plus. Um, point lead and pretty much held a double digit lead through for the rest of the game. I think a couple times it got maybe to eight. Um but that was about it. Yeah. No, it's pretty convincing and they unlike other games, they they didn't have a, a real fourth quarter letdown. That that is correct. Um so any quick impressions uh of the game? Anything that stood out to you right from the tip? Well, it's funny. Um, I've been reading in various places how some people were saying that that the Raptors might might st- might start uh, what's his name uh, Powell um, over Valanciunas because Valanciunas hadn't really been able to be much of a factor in the Milwaukee series because Milwaukee has great length and and he they decided to go small. They they went back to starting Valanciunas against the Cavs, 
And I got to be honest, after tonight's effort, they might they might go back to start. I wouldn't be shocked if they went back to trying to mix it up and start Powell in, in game two because he actually gave them a spark. Whereas Valanciunas, aside from a couple of open open uh, buckets they were giving him, really wasn't much of a factor at all. No, he was uh, minus 21 on the game, which was only eclipsed by DeMar DeRozan, who was minus 32. And to me, the best Toronto looked all night was when they were running uh, Powell and DeLon Wright and uh, uh, and sometimes P- Corey Joseph P.J. And Tucker. P.J. Tucker, that bench unit um, at the beginning of the second and beginning of the fourth quarters or end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarters, um, those units were pretty solid. Uh, Wright and Powell were both plus 14 for the game, while the Cavs bench, uh, yeah, Channing Fry was minus 19, uh, Deron Williams was minus 18, I'm sorry, Darren Williams, and Shumpert was minus 16. Um, it, it definitely seemed like those lineups were better for the Raptors, and I was a little curious why Powell didn't play more, but... Um, yeah, I, I well, some of that was about it. Some of the, yeah, some of that was the garbage time too, because yeah. uh, Williams, Shump, and uh, the other the other D. Will <laughs> were out there. Yeah. And Fry wasn't, but the other guys were. Yeah, for... and, and I'll say the garbage time was was influenced that, but they still outscored the Cavs as I called them the Cavs. Oh, for sure. Lines. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and... they. Yeah, that's and that's been Toronto's strength outside. I mean, down the stretch, they they when they were missing Lowry, uh, a lot of it was DeRozan and these bench guys kind of stepping up and and helping them. So, I mean, clearly, yeah. I mean, Powell. It's funny, Powell for as good as he shot early, though, really cooled off as the game went on. He was only three of eleven, two of seven from from three, but he played with energy, and so did PJ Tucker. And those guys, you know, their their whole bench, with the exception of probably Patrick Patterson, played really well in this game. But, you know, when your starters are getting absolutely destroyed by the Cavs starters, uh, there's there's really nothing to do for that. And the, yeah. the Cavs, all three of the big three had great games, and so did, so did Tristan. I mean, you'd say all four of those guys really – Really, just kind of uh, dominated their respective positions tonight. At least, uh, at least offensively. Yeah, and um, and J.R. Smith had a solid twenty-two minutes. I mean, he only had six points, but you know, you extrapolate that out to a, a thirty-minute night, and he's probably got ten. He was fifty percent from the on the line, and uh, you know, had a solid game. Uh, Kevin Love, eighteen points, nine rebounds. I really thought he had a couple very nice defensive plays, uh, just reading the offense, had a couple steals and a block. And then, uh, you know, Kyrie, we complained about him a little bit in the first half. He seemed to kind of be settling for some jumpers and taking a lot of those, you know, early in the shot clock pull-up shots that we all kind of hate. Um, but the second half, he was really passing well, uh, doing it, doing kind of everything on the court. He yeah. finished with 24 points and 10 rebounds or 10 assists. And, uh, two yeah, steals. 10 and aside from those three real sloppy turnovers he had in the first quarter, 
he didn't have another turnover. So you, yeah, you certainly yeah. can't complain about that. Um, well, the Cavs really minimized the turnovers as a team too. I mean, they I think they only had they only they had, had twelve two turnovers. Yeah, they only but they only had like five at halftime. So yeah, they only uh, had, and they had a, yeah. did a few in that in in the garbage time. But they were uh, they for the most part, aside from those those uh, Kyrie turnovers you're talking about, they they really did take care of the ball pretty well. Yeah, and then LeBron thirty five points, uh, ten rebounds, four assists. And the biggest storyline I thought of the night for the Cavs, the Cavs 24-29 from the line. Um, yeah. You know, a, a week ago, a week and a half ago, they missed seven of those in this completely different ballgame. You know, and the yep. Cavs, oof, they look locked in from the line tonight. I mean, Tristan Thompson, they played hack of Tristan a couple <laughs> times and – they didn't look like luck when they were going in. I mean, he no. had a nice stroke. He made him pay. He, yeah. he made him pay. He must have been working with Corver some more in the yeah. uh, in the eight days off. So, yeah. and actually, it's funny. LeBron LeBron was actually better from the line than Kyrie. He was yeah. LeBron was seven of eight. Kyrie was seven and nine. <laughs> Kyrie did the uh, Kyrie. It seems like he's a fantastic free throw shooter, but he reminds me of Mo Williams and that he kind of always seems to miss tax. Like <laughs> when the guys aren't standing up there next to him. And he's it alone at the line. Yeah. I, I'd love to see, excuse me, his uh, free throw percentage on Tex seems like a little low. but Yeah, and then, probably true. Uh, Kevin Love on the boards, I thought, it, and obviously LeBron James, too. Uh, both of them well, were really Tristan fighting, boxing out well. And Tristan Thompson as well. I mean, they were, that, that front court out-rebounded them 46-43, to 43, and 11 of those rebounds for Toronto were PJ Tucker off the bench. Yep. So the I mean the starting lineups really dominated. Um for the Raptors, uh they were led in scoring by Kyle Lowry, who who had a pretty solid game offensively, uh twenty points and eleven assists, but the Cavs entire offensive goal or defensive goal was to take DeMar DeRozan out of the game. And, yeah. and we saw frequent double teams, frequent traps a lot of traps in the first half, too, yeah. And they just weren't going to let him get going. They were basically going to make anybody else beat them. Yeah. I, I said it on the thread. I feel like DeMar DeRozan would be a much more dangerous player if he took just just the summer and taught himself how to shoot three-pointers because he so obviously can't shoot them. I mean, he took only took yeah. one with the clock running down tonight, and it it you know rimmed in and out, and actually wasn't a bad looking shot, but he just he just can't hit threes, and he doesn't take threes, so you 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 instantly take that whole section of the court out of his game, and it makes him in the in the half court game in the playoffs, it makes him a lot easier to to defend, I think, especially for guys as physical as Jr. is, and then when you bring Shump in. You know, if they can, if they, this is what they did last year. When they can shut down DeRozan, shut down DeRozan, even if Lowry gets his points, the Cavs are, you know, there's no way for Toronto to to overcome that. So, agreed. And that I, I feel like DeRozan would be a fantastic player if he was born 20 years earlier. I mean, he just seems <laughs> to have a game built for yeah. the late 90s, and it's that's, just, that's just not the game that the NBA is anymore. Um, 
But but if he had a three point shot, he'd be James Harden or Kobe, right. or at least exactly. the, the 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 B versions of those guys. I mean, he's a tremendous scorer inside the arc, and he you know can get to the line like pretty much like Harden can. But right. he just there's a weird like mental thing where he just can't. Well, and the other you know, difference, sorry, hit threes. The other difference no, between he and Harden is he's just not the natural passer that Harden or, you know, a LeBron James or even a Paul Pierce That's true. is That's in true. that he, you can double team him and, you know, he'll make the hockey pass, but he won't, you don't have to worry about him making the home run pass that often and just really picking. But, Hard, but to be Harden. fair, Harden, Harden wasn't a passer before this year. I mean, you go back and look at previous years with Harden and, you know, I, I don't think he was averaging more than like, like maybe, maybe, three or four assists per game. It just wasn't his game. And and probably, but probably Kobe is a more, is a, is a better pump just because he really never, never passed the ball, never met a shot he didn't like either. But Except um, when he was pouting and he would only pass. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just really felt like there were only, there were like four or five Raptors that came to play tonight. And, um, I would say, you know, Lowry, Lowry brought it the whole game. Uh, even though I was surprised he didn't take, he only took four three pointers. Um, I felt like Ibaka had it going early, although he really faded in the second half. And then, and, uh, PJ Tucker and Powell off the bench both brought energy, but there's only so much those guys are going to be able to do for you if your stars aren't, uh, you know, aren't lighting it up. Exactly. Now I do. Okay. So James Harden last year, 7.5 assists year before seven assists year before. Okay. So more than, (laughs) yeah. So he's not like this 11 assists a game just came from out of nowhere. Right. So I I do have to take a little issue with you. That's fair. Fair. I didn't look at the stats beforehand. It just, I never really, I remember, Remembered Harden as being that much of a passer, but yeah, clearly, clearly he was had more inclination than say a a guy like uh, you know maybe more of a Kobe. So, and uh, welcome Tom Pestak to what up? Cavs the podcast. Um, <laughs> fun game, Tom. Oh my gosh, it was a fun game. <laughs> I uh, I don't know what my favorite highlight was, but I'm gonna go with TT knocking down both free throws on the heck of Tristan. That I think I, that was yeah. The, I, would, I think that was the highlight of my game. I would <laughs> take that, except for the uh, you know super high, high, high off the backboard pass to a trailing LeBron for that was one, sick. One of the best playoff dunks I've seen. Yes, well, how about long time. It, how about the yes. fact that it was a left-handed? Left, yeah. freaking handed. I know. And he had to. That duck. reminds me of. That he reminds me of those crappy. Those crappy passes Jr. kept throwing <laughs> right. two years ago in the playoffs. Remember that? Like yeah. he, he threw down a couple lefties back then too. Yeah, that was insane. Actually, I really loved LeBron's spin and dunk on DeRozan. Oh, that in, was great. I think yeah. it was in the middle of the fourth quarter. That kind of put him to bed, and yeah. it was pretty vicious. And then, well, to I like, top it I like all off, Kyrie, Sorry, Kyrie uh, shake and bake on on uh, 
on Powell too. The the yeah, the, like three tough. three times. Yeah, and then and then just blow by for the end one. It was so yeah. funny because you could just tell he was setting him up to go right the whole time, and then like Powell just bit for a half a second, and that was it. He didn't <laughs> bite. Like, he froze. He yeah, was he froze. frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. the, the I also capper, love the whole, I also love the oh sorry go ahead oh the capper on the whole thing uh, Dante Jones Dante Jones <laughs> dunking and trash talking and getting kicked and getting out ejected after twenty seconds which yep. that's not yeah. a, that's not an ejection in the first quarter but that's one of those like game's over they don't want anything to start so they just kick him out send him to the locker room that was stupid though nothing was starting that was right. just well dumb. I know. The, but but the reason he did that was because for just like out of nowhere with like forty seconds left, they started pressing the Cavs and I know until it pissed yeah. him off, so he yeah. just yeah. thumped in his face. And yeah. then we had a show well, thump. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That, and he cocked it back real hard. Yeah. There was I a like, there was a video like, that uh, <laughs> there was a video that Joe Hayden shot from the baseline. That I had a great that. angle on the on the on the jump jam. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And I think that Joe Varden, who I am not normally a big fan of, but he probably had the tweet of his career when he said, uh, "Shumpert's been attempting that dunk for the last two years." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I feel like Shumpert would blow that dunk like nine out of ten times. <laughs> yeah, like when he cocks it way back like that, yeah. he would like yeah. lose it in midair, throw it off the back iron. But he threw that sucker down right past Serge Ibaka. Yeah, Serge Ibaka ducked and got out of the way. Yeah. yeah. He also he also ducked and got out of the way when <laughs> Tristan got the ball at the top of the key from from Kyrie on the on the give and go and yeah. it was like, wait, he just ran away and just was <laughs> yeah. like, all right, well, if you're gonna do that. Yeah. That's it's fine. like the Monte Ellis from the uh, on LeBron from the Indiana series. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, Ibaka, you know, has really changed. He's, you know, he used to be such a powerful player, and now he's, like, way more of a finesse player, you know? Stepping outside for jumpers. I don't know. I think they could use more Bismack Biombo, less Ibaka right now, because they just got, I don't know, they were just not the, not the bigger, faster, stronger, tougher team tonight. My they my inner Coles is arguing with you. Uh, my inner Coles is is saying that Ibaka is immensely better than, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Ibaka is event, immensely better than Biombo. But no, I'll I'll agree with you. I thought when they had Biombo at center and they were running the pick and roll with uh, DeRozan and Kyle Lowry was the best they've looked in the last two years. Um, and then he's terrible in Orlando and Ibaka's a nice fit, but they, the Cavs were very content to live with long twos from Ibaka. Yes. Like that was yeah, the game were. plan. <laughs> if he yeah. beats us, so be it. Well, kept, keep, yeah. kept him off the offensive glass when he's hanging exactly. out out there. Exactly. So they Cavs didn't lose the rebounding battle. They didn't lose the assist to turnover battle. Um, they should, they made their free throws. They just, uh, you know, for for a game, I mean, the game was full of so many highlights. That's what people are going to remember. But kind of looking ahead, I honestly didn't even think the Cavs played that well, and they won no. pretty easily. Yeah. 
So, now we have they to shot, remember they only shot forty six percent. We have to remember that the Toronto Raptors are the game yeah, one Raptors. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are the uh, they are the universal opposite of the TNT Bulls. It's just they yeah, they're one one in twelve now in first round games. The last time they won, the only time they won uh, game one was back in two thousand one against the Sixers. Yeah. And I can't even. I couldn't even tell. I guess that was an Allen Iverson Sixers team. Yeah, that was. A, yeah. Was that a Vince Carter Raptors team? Probably. Yep. yep. Yeah. It was. It was pre Chris Bosh. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that was probably <laughs> a Carter slash T Mac Raptors team. Okay. Yeah. I just read a. I just read a tweet from Joe Varden. Um, Deshaun Kaiser just dominating a late '90s Cavs starter jacket. Can I just say? Can I just say? Who's Deshaun Kaiser? He's the, the quarterback, quarterback from Notre the Dame. The Browns just Oh, so I just gotta say. So nobody I, basically. I, I did not watch a lot of Notre Dame football, so I don't know much about Deshaun Kaiser, and I wasn't happy necessarily that the Browns drafted a quarterback. But I logged on Twitter yesterday, and Deshaun Kaiser's Twitter banner is a picture of Uncle Rico throwing a football. <laughs> and he completely won me over with that, and now he's rocking a '90s Cavs starter jacket. This Love dude it. is like my favorite Brown of all time, and he hasn't <laughs> even taken a snap. Yep, uh, that's why he's your favorite Brown of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't disappointed me yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. between Deshaun Kaiser, be the... Stipe, Stipe Miocic, man, Cleveland is like represented so hard right now from all the other athletes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Kozar and Hayden were at the game. They were all representing. Yeah, Dude, it, it, it was is, a fun game. It's a good time, Cleveland fam. I, I thought it was crazy, and uh, I had an opportunity to get tickets tonight. Um, I got a thing that the Cavs are the lowest value in the resale market of second round playoff tickets in the NBA right now. And they say a lot of that is because of fan fatigue, uh, fan playoff fatigue, which I find a little humorous, <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's a real thing. I know it's a real thing. When you, when you, when you're trying to get over the hump, you know, it's different than when you just sort of expect that anything less than a win is sort of like a disappointment. I don't know. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, t- fans are waiting for like the finals, which, yeah, I, I I I enjoyed tonight's game immensely, and um, yeah. like I said, it was just fun. It like it didn't even didn't even feel like a playoff game. It just felt like a. It did feel regular, like it had a regular like, season vibe. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird yeah, because the regular season games, other than the last game that didn't really count, all seem to have more of a playoff vibe between these two teams. Yeah, yeah. Between these two, you're right. They were. They were very contested and I thought the Cavs really elevated their game to try to make a statement earlier in the season against the Raptors. Yeah. Although, I fully expect the Raptors will come out and play better on Wednesday. I, I just think this is a the the game one thing has become almost a self fulfilling prophecy now for them where they just seem to come in and just don't have just don't have it. I think they'll fight a lot harder on Wednesday. I still think the Cavs will will win. I, I think they'll they'll win one in in Toronto, but um, but I, I I don't see this series going more than more than five games. 
Yeah, um, and although I will say LeBron looked like he was in playoff mode. Like yeah, he, he did. was dominant on both sides of the ball the whole game. I mean, that block he yeah. had on DeRozan. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. on DeRozan, yeah. Wait, you know what no, they LeBron... Had... Sorry. No, LeBron has just been so fantastic all five playoff games. Um, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in awe of just how well he's playing. He, you know, it's like he, he's, it's so weird. It's like he's picking his spots to use his like surreal athleticism, but it's not like, you know, LeBron 10 years ago where he kind of had, you know, in playoff mode, he kind of had that athleticism on at all times. Like he like seamlessly shifts between like old guy at the Y kind of moves and looking to set up people with passes and just kind of directing the court like Andre Miller. And then boom, it's like, you know, baseline spin dunk over a very athletic yeah. player. He, you know it's what I mean? Like, it's, just, uh, it's like the uh, game Brown. has slowed down for him. It's like Jim Brown where he limped back to the huddle and then all of a sudden he'd rip off a 25 yard run, <laughs> you know, and I never saw that firsthand, but I always yeah. read the stories and saw some of the highlights and it's like, you know, he lulls you to sleep in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. LeBron. But he also, he also hits, uh, he would hit just key shots. Like whenever they would need a basket tonight. He'd hit a three, he just, yeah. He'd hit, he did a three or, a, he'd hit, you know, an and one or, an or whatever. And one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what he did knows. in the Indiana. That's what he did in the Indiana yeah. series. And that yeah. ending to game four spooky spooky lebron it was it was spooky lebron yeah it was like we need a three i guess i'll, I'll, just, I'll just have to hit a three yeah yeah <laughs> and, i feel like lebron is playing at such a high level right now it gives the playoff calves like a floor which is in the game and whether or not they barely win or like blow the team out is dependent on how well like kyrie irving and kevin love play yeah. like when they play really well LeBron is just like a given right now how well he's playing. And he and the other thing that's kind of gone on, because everyone's focusing on his missed free throws. Honestly, I could give two you-know-whats about LeBron's free throw shooting. I just don't care. I don't know. Like, I worried about it for 10 years, and it never really made a difference. And I don't care anymore. So, LeBron is winning. I think you didn't, I think you didn't care if they, lost game, if they lost game one to the Pacers. You might have cared. It just hasn't, it just hasn't happened. I don't know. But have you noticed how he's not turning the ball over anymore? Like, the yeah. turnovers were out of control at the end of the season. Yeah. And uh, he had one bad game for turnovers in the playoffs. Maybe it was game one. I can't remember. But he has really tightened it up. And um, He only had three to three tonight. For as much as he handles the ball and dishes it out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. Have you seen right, any so, adjustments to the way that they're using him? Um, LeBron to set that up or why he's getting fewer turnovers. Well, I feel like he has been off the ball a little more actually yeah. when the, when the, when the offense starts. So a lot of his dimes are like when he's already on the move or the offense is already gone. I feel like a lot of his turnovers were pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. And then try to make try to like eke a home run pass through like multiple defenders. Well, and I'm not I'll really say the other thing was Deron Williams has helped him a lot. From I mean, say what you want about the Wildcat offense, um, Deron Williams has helped LeBron um, 
take, he, he trusts Deron Williams to bring the ball up and handle the ball and not turn it over and, and get him the yeah. ball in his spots where he did not trust anyone else on that team. I don't even think he trusts Kyrie as much as he trusts. Um, well, the other thing, Jared, yeah, that's true. True. The other thing, I was really frustrated with the Cavs in um, one of those games. I think it was game one of the playoffs because LeBron came out and was so dang aggressive. And I felt like the other four guys on the court couldn't even couldn't even create space from their defender to receive like a four foot pass. It was like right. it was like mind numbing. And now I'm watching tonight. Do you remember that play? Do you remember that play tonight where I think it was in the second quarter where Kevin Love checked back in after the subs let Toronto back into the game? And like yeah. on the first play, he got positioned like underneath, I don't know, Ibaka, whoever was guarding him. He just put his hand up and LeBron threw the pass. And I've seen that play get broken up so many times. And Kevin used his forearm and just like, shoved whoever was, you know, trying to front him and got the ball underneath the hoop and got fouled, you know, and it was just like, that was the same kind of shift in physicality that I noticed last year in game three against the Warriors, where I noticed that? it right away. The first quarter, J.R. Smith grabbed Steph Curry, like, like, like a, like a uh, offensive lineman, like grabs, a, a defensive tackle, and he just pushed him right into Andre Iguodala, picked two guys, and LeBron went in for the layup. And I just remember thinking, like, that is exactly the kind of physicality you have to play with in the playoffs. And I, I saw that from the Cavs tonight. They were they were they were physical. They weren't always clean, but they were physical. I, I I'll say the exception of that is especially in the first three quarters. Uh, Kyle Lowry definitely out physical. Uh, Kyle. Or Kyrie Irving, I I definitely felt like he was winning the physicality matchup, um, but then Kyrie, uh, he just kind of finessed. I don't know how to describe it. He like finessed and hardened his way to twenty four points. I mean, seven of nine at the line, three of eight from three, uh, seven of sixteen. Not a great line, but you looked up and. He had a lot of points and assists, but I and felt, he had he had tennis he had ten assists too. Yeah, yeah, and he had thirty two points, or he was plus thirty two, whereas yeah. uh, um, Lowry was minus thirteen. But yeah. I, I still felt like well, and it's not it's not like either point guard went off either. I mean, they yeah. they each had a couple of yeah, moments they, where they got past past him pretty easily, but it's not like either one of them yeah. ate the Cavs alive. But, I mean, yeah. honestly, if I can get a wash between Lowry and Irving every game, the Cavs are going to sweep. The Cavs, are, yeah, you're right, because yeah. there's only one other guy, unless they figure out how to get Powell to go off, that yeah. is, that can just beat you flat out. Where the Cavs have three three of those guys and possibly four or five if Fry or Corver uh, gets hot. So, yeah. I thought Corver had, had a I'd, nice little game. I'd love, I'd love Corver to get hot. Oh yeah, I was really happy when he finally stuck that long three because I was like freaking out. Yeah, when the Cavs worked so hard to get him two wide open threes in a row, one from the left side and one from the right corner, and he missed both. And when he missed the one from the right corner where he was wide open, yeah, on a transition pass from LeBron where he looked off the defender 
I was like, come on, you have got to hit one of these. But then he did, so he uh, hit his uh, next two. A real nice takeaway was Kevin Love, three for six, and his jumper looked a lot better than it did in the first round. Well, and it was yep. nice seeing him, um, you know, muscle his way to some free throws and a couple shots around the hoop, too. Wow, so the Houston-San Antonio halftime score, Houston oh my 69, gosh. San Antonio 39. Wow, 30-point lead. That's in San Antonio, in too. San Antonio. Man. Yeah, they look old. Holy crap. The Rockets have already hit 12 threes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dante Jones, yeah. his... his, uh, his NBA uh, record tying uh, free throw that broke the or three that broke the record could be could be in jeopardy from last yeah. year. Wait, who? Dante Jones hit the hit the shot. To, hit the three that... to break the record last year. Was it Dante or was it Mo? Oh, it, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was Mo. Oh, was it? Okay, I don't. know. You mean against? You mean against Atlanta? Yeah. I don't think so. I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of Dante, LeBron at the podium said that he told Dante enough is enough. He's got to stop getting kicked out, kicked out versus Toronto. But says <laughs> yeah. but says he'll pay his fine again. <laughs> it's eighty dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, one game check, which is eighty dollars. <laughs> but you know that somebody's kicking him some money, like. I'm sure, well, he gets a playoff share, which is not... Oh, Dante Jones did hit a three in that game. And I can only surmise it came at the very end. Yeah, it was the one that broke the record. I think you're right. God, that's my favorite thing that I've ever heard you say. (laughs) No. Well, he might have broken the record, but then (laughs) Mo Williams Williams hit one after that. Yeah, he did. He did. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're thinking Mo set the new record or whatever. And yeah, then they just they tied it. They just flashed the Gatorade Flow commercial where Paul George hits the shot <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the game to to prevent overtime. <laughs> Which, Not that time. No, that that's the one time he did it. <laughs> By the way, whatever awesome beer stuff. that was that the girl was, was carrying in the game. It was Dortmunder Gold. It was Dortmunder Gold. Well, they should they should instantly try to get a, a, a campaign going with that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Even with the NBA players drinking during yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, the response of JR had that you that you posted, Nate, that was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he was just cracking up. Like, And the funny <laughs> thing is if JR had done that, he'd be getting harangued already. Yeah. Just, <laughs> LeBron lives a charmed life. How yeah, about- LeBron said... I'm- here they asked him about it, and he said, not, I'm not much of a beer guy. If she had some red wine, I probably would have taken a sip. <laughs> LeBron. Yeah, I mean, that's how loose it just instantly became right less now. cool. Yeah. The Cavs are very loose right now. They're, yeah. uh, they're well, fine. I mean, how, how, could you, how could you not be after after that display, right? I mean, yeah. as we said, they didn't even really play all that well. But, that, I mean, that wasn't their best game, but they still... Yeah, they, they it, it was never close after the second quarter. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game two because you know clearly the Raps are just awful in game ones. And yeah, they need to, they're going to make adjustments. But like I said, I mean, I don't. I mean, other than the free throws, which maybe the Cavs punched a little above their weight, 
you know, I, I liked the tempo they played with and the aggression and um, obviously, you know, throwing down all these highlight dunks. But I, I I still think they left a lot of points on the table. I don't know. I just oh, they did. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, they I wanted mean, to. They wanted to hit. They wanted to hit my predicted my predicted score. Yeah. Oh, is that real close to your predicted score? It was one point off. Oh wow. Yeah. What, what was your prediction? My prediction was one fifteen one oh five. Yeah. So uh, just Beautiful. one more free throw, uh, and uh, Derek would be giving out com- uh, coupons for uh, free Duncan. <laughs> I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas. Uh, I believe uh, I believe we have a CTB in Vegas right now. So uh, hopefully, put some money on tonight's game. Um, anything else you want to talk about about this game? I thought uh, Channing Fry and Darren Williams and uh, Iman uh, were a little weak uh, in the early second and fourth quarters. Uh, Channing Fry uh, seemed to be the Channing Fry that we did not like before the Indiana series. Uh, so maybe he'll play a little tougher next game, I hope. Um, he did have a block and a dunk, though. Yes, but no rebounds in 12 minutes. So That's true. Um, and uh, Darren Williams missed a couple threes he had been hitting. I mean, we saw Ben's article from last Wednesday where uh, Darren Williams had an offensive rating over 200 for the round one, which clearly that's not going to keep up. But, uh, but yeah, Darren Williams uh, returning to the mean or regressing to the mean a little bit. Um, anything else we saw that game that uh, gives us concern? I mean, aside from Tyron Lue's enormously wide tie, did anybody <laughs> else notice that tie? I thought it was like, what, what is with the clown tie? I, I, I didn't, and it was uh, tucked down into his vest. I thought that was odd, but I don't know, whatever. <laughs> if that's all we have to complain about, then then we're doing pretty well. Um, well, and, I said it a little earlier, but I think I think, think Toronto will experiment with the the lineup. Valanciunas was was not great, terrible. and I and I think they may try to go small just to see how it works. I, I don't think they'll succeed, but they might have, they, they can score more. I think yeah. if they have Powell in that starting lineup and it may be that they look at that and say, well, we're just going to have to try to, you know, try to catch up with the Cavs on the, on the scoring end of things and hope they miss some shots. And cause well, I, mean, I guess to be honest, I, Toronto's defense looked, looked worse than the Cavs defense did tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Um, but, you know, some of it is that, you know, they, they don't really know what they want to do because the Cavs are so content to just jack up so many threes. So, you know, they've just got done playing the, uh, the Bucks who are completely different, right? Giannis doesn't like to shoot threes at all. So the Bucks were just kind of bullying them with stuff, you know, from the elbow extended, and trying to get all these little curls going to the hoop. And, and basically you know, just trying that, to get into transition because they were so – they had such a hard time scoring in the half court. Yeah. So Cavs just come out here, and it's just they're firing away from all over the place. And then, you know, that causes the, the defense to try to spread out because, you know, once they start hitting shots, you got to contain them. 
And then it just felt like the Cavs tonight was either like a three or an and one. It just that that's that's it. They, I don't think the Cavs took more than like three mid range shots the whole game. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's a difficult it's a difficult attack to defend against. I, I do I think that I do think that I've I've just seen the Kyle Lowry show too many times where he looks like the best player in the whole NBA for like a game. He seems to sort of have like Lou Williams ability to just go off on offense, but of course he's a gritty player and he's a he's a good defender. Um but that offense just seems so hit or miss with him. And tonight was one of the rare exceptions where it was just good. It wasn't great. But man, Lowry just seems like one of the most feaster famine guards offensively to me, especially when he plays the Cavs. So I, I wholly expect something similar to last year where at least for a game him and DeRozan are just completely lights out, and you know Patrick Patterson isn't going to go one for God, he seven was from three. Yeah, he was he was he was really bad. They, yeah. they played poorly. I mean, they make no mistake, they played pretty poorly. The Cavs put on a highlight show, but I, I don't I don't think they were really tested that much tonight. Yeah, the only uh, Raptor that really impressed me was PJ Tucker, who I thought played very tough. Uh, 11 rebounds, 13 points. Uh, he was only minus one, uh, on night. And, uh, Charles Barkley said something at the halftime that basically said, Toronto doesn't believe they can beat the Cavs. And I, I totally believe that. And I've always said, if you don't think you can believe a team, you can beat a team, you can't. And yep. PJ Tucker looked like the only player on that floor that believed he could beat the Cavs. Like he uh, was he the only because he hasn't experienced. Getting well, yeah, but he was the only one when that was playing with any fearlessness. So yeah, and whoa, Damari Carroll. I mean, fifteen Ooh, minutes, yeah. three points. I know he, he barely played and did nothing. I mean, this was a guy that was, you know, not the uh, not the Damari Carroll. Yeah, not the Damari Carroll of the twenty fourteen offseason. Yeah. Or the Damari Carroll that was basket for basket with LeBron uh, when he was with Atlanta. So, yeah, it, it, it's odd. Uh, well, Nate, you brought up something else odd, the the, uh, the DNPCD for RJ. Oh, yeah, RJ, yeah. What's going on? Is he – what's going on with that? I almost wonder if he's just the odd man out and if he – is not going to get significant minutes. They don't want to waste him in garbage time. I mean, that's all I can guess. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. Lou's known to do weird stuff. Remember Channing Fry was a DNP at the start of the playoffs last year, and then he was, like, critical, and then he didn't really play in the finals. So who knows? Maybe RJ, this just isn't his series. I don't know. Maybe. So, EG, I wanted to talk to you about the Cavs' fourth quarter offense. Did you did you read that article? I didn't. Uh, but I, Nate was talk, talking about it earlier, so I gotta I gotta catch up. But what what did it what did it basically say? Well, just that they're I mean they're abysmal. Their offensive rating in fourth quarters um, in the playoffs. is that regular season or oh that's playoffs. No, well, yeah, uh, the author, uh, Michael Curry, looked at, like, from March on, and it's been pretty bad for a long time. So his conclusion is basically um, these guys have to be gassed because by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they just can't score. Like, we're focusing on how 
they're giving up these huge leads because they can't defend. And yes, it's true. They're not defending, but they also just can't score. So, um, and that kind of brings me back to the 26 point blown or 22 point blown lead against the Hawks. I remember thinking if the Cavs would have just taken a shot clock violation or just heaved up a three with the shot clock expiring on every possession, I think they still would have won that game. (laughs) But they were turning the, they were turning the ball over and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so it got me thinking because I liked the piece, but I was listening to uh, Windhorst on the Insiders, and he was talking about he w- he was recapping the Cavs' comeback against the Pacers in Game Three, and he said, you know, the Cavs play really well when they play fast and when they run and when they're up tempo, and the one of the reasons they're giving up all these big leads is because once you get a big lead, you slow down. You know, you, it's right. more half court. You're just not, you kind of call up the dogs to some extent and try to milk the clock. And he was saying, so they can't defend very well. And they actually stop scoring once they get these big leads. And so it's, that's why you see these big swings. And then he's like, it's the same reason they set an NBA record for a comeback because they kind of had nothing to lose and they just had to play. They had to play really fast if they had any chance to come back. So they just kept their foot on the gas, and lo and behold, you know, it was an epic comeback. So <laughs> if that, I mean, I, I think both things are true. I, I do think that, um, you know, Kevin Love certainly has been a first-quarter player since he got to Cleveland. I have noticed at times LeBron looking a little bit worn out in the fourth quarter. And I don't know what to say about Kyrie, but, I mean, we used to call him Mr. Fourth Quarter, but he's been abjectly terrible in fourth quarters um for the last couple months so yeah with all that being said um you know do you do you think there's something with the way their approach to the quarter they can change or a lineup change or do you think it's just as simple as they're they're not playing fast and the prevent offense is killing them and they're tired or i mean i mean what's your take well I think, um, I mean, it's probably all of those things, but I really do notice it's a good point. And it makes you think about the, you can only, you only let a team back in if you're not scoring also. And, you know, part of that is you're giving up easy points on turnovers and long three, long miss threes because three point shots are the easiest shots to get. Typically, you don't have to work yeah. the ball inside. You don't have to. You can you can catch and shoot. It, it requires the least amount of work, and the Cavs are already a, a pretty heavy three point shooting team and pretty light on the defense. So it goes to stands to reason that that's probably what they're going to fall back on, especially that group that takes over at the beginnings of the fourth quarters when you've got it's the LeBron and a bunch of old guys that stand on the perimeter and wait to catch the ball and shoot it. So if that's, and that's, and that's, if that's the case, then maybe they will have to experiment with, I mean, that that's what was so great about the, the wildcat offense when they ran it was that it wasn't a bunch of old guys. It was, it was a good mix of old guys that could shoot and young guys that had athleticism so that you could, you could sort of bulk up and, and uh, and really defend well, and you didn't lose a ton on the offensive side either. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it it would be it may be too late to change it at this point. Yeah, 
Um, it may be that I, I still think if if they can get good Shumpert on defense, like tonight was yeah. not good Shumpert defensively. No. He was too focused, he, and it happens when when someone said that's on the thread. It happens when when he hits a shot early or he throws down <laughs> a dunk like that, that he gets yeah. he starts to feel himself and he starts to feel offensive. We, yeah, we call that Larry Hughes syndrome. Yeah. But even that, I mean, that for, even before he went, he hit that, like the first possession he was in for, he, he dribbled the ball incessantly down into the paint and tried to hit a backwards, like a wild backwards layup that didn't go. And, I was just like, what are you doing, man? Like, did you not learn any, like, eight days off and you just forgot everything? Yeah, it and just one place where the RJ slash Shump trade-off, RJ's really still a really good inside player. Really great finisher, great cutter without the ball. He would be the inside guy in that inside-out offense, and he just got a lot of dunks and layoffs off cuts and – you know, driving to the basket, running in transition, and that's the trade-off when you're playing Shumpert. I mean, you may get a little better perimeter defense at times, but uh, that's that's the uh, that's the trade-off with Shump and RJ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and RJ knows his limitations and doesn't try and you know break down the entire defense with his dribbling, so. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if that lineup keeps up. I mean, we all loved the Wildcat offense. The other part of the Wildcat offense was that uh, Derek Williams ran the floor really well and uh, wasn't a bad two guard, which was odd uh, to anybody that watched Derek Williams throughout his career. So maybe maybe that's where his future should lie as a really big guard. I don't know. Um, maybe. And what's your what's your take on the fourth quarter? Uh, no, uh, I, I think you guys. We, we were uh, just talking about that before yeah. you came back. Yeah, I thought you guys covered that really well. I I caught a good bit of it. Um, I do think part of it becomes fatigue. Um, you'll notice one of the best games they had was the game they they kept that other lineup in all all game, but I'm not sure or the whole fourth quarter the the old guy lineup, but I'm not sure you can duplicate that every time. Uh, I think the Cavs are just going to live with it and, and manage their timeouts and hope they have the lead. Um, if it becomes a problem, then they'll change something up. I, I think as long as they're winning, they're not going to change anything. Right. So yeah. Why make an adjustment if you don't lose? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, or if you're not even really challenged, you know, maybe in the, Maybe against Boston, where Boston is really good at scoring the ball in the fourth quarter. Maybe maybe they do that. Um, and clearly in the finals, they're going to pull out every trick that they can, but uh, we'll kind of see what happens. Um, as far as the other series that are going on, any uh, observations you got from the first round or from any of the games you've seen so far in the second round? I mean, other than Houston destroying San Antonio right now. Well, I've never seen Jay Crowder go six of five from three-point land or whatever he did. <laughs> six of five. That, that's really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think getting a tooth knocked out, hitting back-to-back threes to start, 
uh, massive run is one of the cooler things I've ever seen in a playoff game. Um, I'm pretty agnostic on, on Isaiah Thomas. I neither like him nor dislike him, but that was kind of fun to watch. And I'm watching that series intently because, man, the the Celtics just have no shortage of, um, I don't know, just like weird guys to step up and, and do something. And, um, and the Wizards, I think, are the second most talented team in the East after the Cavs. So, and the, you know, the Wizards were flexing. Did you hear them talking all about how the Cavs are so vulnerable and all this stuff? <laughs> it's like, man, get, get out of the second round before you, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You start that up. I, I mean, uh, I, I would look forward six games to beat Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. 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 With Dennis, the menace, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Schroeder's cat. Yeah, I love how the way he shoots threes now looks just like Jeff Teague. Flat-footed, you know, shoots it from the chest. You know, it, it's he's never going to be better than like 35%, but he'll hit a couple in a row and get all excited and <laughs> Yeah, and then I had... did enjoy I did enjoy. Did you guys see that clip of Dwight Howard just getting like completely I don't know, just terrible weak side defense and there's just like Schroeder standing there in disbelief that <laughs> somehow Howard was like out of the play instead of <laughs> contesting. But. Well, you heard uh, I guess Howard was pretty unhappy with the amount of touches that he was getting and his lack of oh, quarter I not, minutes. I, I did not yeah, hear that. No. That has been a factor in in post-game uh-huh. uh, interview or post-season interviews. Um, but isn't that isn't that Dwight Howard's MO every, oh, every season? Year. Yeah, no. It, he it just doesn't get enough touches, and then he just death, gets mad and blames other yeah. people. Death taxes and Dwight Howard complaining, you know. Yeah. I mean, he did the same thing in L.A., did the same thing in Houston. I mean, Houston, Houston's such a better team without him. It's kind of amazing, really. Oh, yeah. And I and they're, you know, D'Antoni's their spirit animal. So... He's, he's the perfect coach for them. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, I'm just glad that the Clippers finally lost, and maybe maybe they'll blow it up because I'm really getting bored of that team. I have heard that that will not happen in that um, a four-year, $160 million contract is coming Paul George's way. You mean, wait, you're not the, Paul George's, how are they going to uh, do that? No, not you Paul George. Chris um, Paul. You mean Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah, sorry. I, was say, I, PG, I don't know how that I get PG thirteen and CP three confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no but fault. look, I think it's the worst thing they could do. I think if they want to be perpetual, I mean, look, by the way, if Balmer's only real desire is to have a team that makes him decent money and gets to the second round every year, then sure. But well, they're not. Yeah, they're I, never. They're never this. with that. They're never winning with that lineup. I don't ever. know if Ballmer can survive the way that he sits at the sideline and drives himself crazy. Um, yeah. I don't know if he can survive going to the finals. He might be – a finals might kill him. <laughs> I That's mean, true. he looks like his head is going to explode every single game. So yeah. I don't know if the – I don't know if going to the finals would be good for his health. But supposedly yeah. they're going to move um, uh, Blake Griffin. Um 
Blake Griffin should go to Phoenix. That's where Blake Griffin should go. Because Phoenix has that weird way of keeping players who are never healthy healthy. And right. that would, might be the only place he could survive. Maybe. But I'm, I'm super I mean, excited for the Jazz. I, I think that was a great win. Uh, I think the Jazz, the, the certainly uh, with Blake going down, they had the better chance of giving Golden State at least a competitive series. Yeah, but, I mean, they also, with um, Gobert going down at the beginning, you know, it wasn't like they were stepping up against without their best player either. So, yeah. or arguably their best player. I think Utah's a lot more balanced. But Yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, I, I mean, that's what I meant. I mean, with with if both guys go down, but at least Gobert was able to overcome the injury and come yeah. back and play, so he'll be a force. And you kind of want to see Gobert against the Donut team out west. So, yeah. um, because I, I don't know, I, I I maybe it's my bias from being living in L.A., but I've really. The, the the bloom has been off the Clipper Rose for a very long time, and the, honestly, they'd have been better off letting DeAndre Jordan go to Dallas and have have cap space, and because now they're going to lose, they're going to still be capped out, and all they can really do is just try to resign guys because JJ Redick is a unrestricted free agent, and Mbamute uh, is is unrestricted. So yeah. I imagine both of those guys will go, will go elsewhere. So what are you left with? You're left with uh, CP3 at a maxed out. You know, Blake Griffin is either maxed out or you're trading him for prospects. And in which case, why are you maxing out Chris Paul? Because it's just going to be Chris Paul and and, the, and DeAndre Jordan and a bunch of you know expensive role players. So. Well, the, I'm not sure what they can do. The media markets in the Clippers and New York have already traded uh, Blake to the Knicks for for Mello, so which is fantastic. I mean, the thing that's killing the Clippers uh, is 26 combined million for you know Austin Rivers and the 50 year old Jamal Crawford. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just dumb. <laughs> I dumb. But the thing was, they were like, oh, we're so close, we got to do this. But this is why having your father be coach and GM is, is maybe a contract, a uh, conflict of interest. So, Well, like most, like most former great coaches, uh, great coaches do not make great GMs. Just ask Phil Jackson or Larry Bird or, <laughs> uh, you know, any one of these guys. I mean, they yeah. just don't. They're not. They're not great at that. Yeah. I, so. Well, and great coaches and Doc Rivers too. So. Yeah. That was a little dig. Well. Yeah. <laughs> no. Look, he won a, the coach. Won a championship. I mean, I, I think you know, that had more to do with his players and his assistants than him. So. You could say that about a lot of guys. So well, ab- absolutely. Um, Including our own Ty Lue for right now. Yeah. Ty. Big Ty Lue. Big Ty Lue. There you go, big T I E Lou. Big yeah. Broad tie Lou. Broad tie Lou. There we go. Did we lose Tom? I'm here. Oh, okay. You just you just listen to us riff. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so almost forgot uh, I was on the pod. Do you do you get any? Uh, do you give the Jazz a shot at all? No. No. How many games do you think they take? <laughs> that was great. Is it a sweep? 
Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. But only. I think, gentle, I think gentlemen sweep. I think they'll win one. I, I, I like the Jazz though. I just. I don't know. I just haven't seen any weakness from the uh, Warriors lately. They, uh, they except look, I agree with you there. Mike, really Mike, Mike Brown coaching. That's the. That's their weakness. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because so, uh, uh, Draymond came out today and said that they don't expect Kerr back for the playoffs. Yeah. Which I don't is, know. I mean, they didn't. They didn't miss a beat when Luke Walton coached them. I don't. I don't think Mike Brown. I, I think Luke Walton's a much. I think it's coach. A, I think it's a big difference between Luke Walton and Mike Brown. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. What would we surmise their career uh, winning percentages are? Well, well, that's kind of unfair because well, the Lakers okay, were a terrible team. Now we're welling. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Has Mike Brown ever coached a team that doesn't have a superstar on it? Hey, Kobe. <laughs> Shut up. Come on. Uh, you set him up for that, percent. and Tom hit it out of the park. <laughs> Mike Brown has a career win-loss percentage of 566. Thank you, LeBron. Thank you, Kobe. Thank you, Thank you Kobe. Hey, I'll just have you know that Mike Brown took over the Lakers team from Phil Jackson and won more playoff games the following year with a worse roster than Phil Jackson did the previous year. Didn't Luke Walton set some kind of record with straight wins when he was coaching the Warriors? Uh, I believe that he did. Well, they went 26-56 and last year when he was actually the head coach. With no stars. Are you kidding me? And... They were, and they were tank, they, tanking, they were tanking on tanking on on purpose for the last three months of the season, so they could save their I'm, I'm their number. One how can you say they did not have stars when they had NBA champion Timofey Mozgov? You know, never I'm, a Mike, I'm, a, Malls golf. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a Mike Brown defender. I Have think we he noticed. I don't know better. why. Do you like the way his upper lip smells too? <laughs> I just thought he does. He, he does. I thought he coached up a lot of guys, and I thought he turned a lot of guys that were poor defensive players into above-average defenders. I mean, he made Booby. Uh, no, Booby Gibson, Sasha Pavlovich. I thought he did a nice job with Larry Hughes' Sasha, defense. Sasha, my offense is my defense. Yeah. Pavlovich. dude, Pavlovich shut down Richard Jefferson and Vince Carter in 2007. Delonte West. And Yes. Delonte um, was always tough, though. Delonte was Drew, good before Drew he came Good. Here. Drew Gooden Come became... On. Now, you're just re- now you're just reaching. <laughs> I mean, Drew Gooden Mike was... Brown's a perfectly nice man. Mike Brown's a very nice man. Mike Brown is not a good NBA coach. <laughs> well, let's hope we find that out in, in sometime in this playoffs. I mean, Doc Rivers so wasn't a great coach until he won, and now he's been riding on that for so long. Well, I my, think coaching in the Brown NBA is aid by two teams at once, three teams yeah. to not coach, to not coach, to not coach. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that's not good. Nick money Coles has it. lit himself on fire yet. We spent all this time talking about if Mike uh, Brown's a good coach. Did Did you see Ben Wallace on Area Twenty One, Tom? No, I but did. He was un- almost unrecognizable without almost the hair. Un- short haircut, 
uh, very buttoned. He looked like he was a salesman at Dick's Sporting Goods. Like he just <laughs> clean cut, buttoned up, like shirt tucked in. Uh, Can I just say though how weird it is to have ex Pistons like talking about how they think the Cavs are like the best team in the East yeah. and how they got another shot at it. I'm like, yeah, this like, is the like same. Same, yeah, the same Rashid, uh, Rashid yeah. Wallace who who had this famous like sunshine on a dog's ass quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand and six. Well, that's because Cleveland Cleveland Renaissance baby, it's real. <laughs> I guess. Hey, and and Ben Wallace, you know, well, it's just, he'll it's always be Cavani. Um, no, this true. is ben how Wallace it goes. This is how this is how it goes. No one wants to give young guys their props, you know, when they're on the on the up and up. But it's the same reason LeBron didn't get any respect until, like, now. And here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. Five years from now, when LeBron is, like, a top 30 player in the league, but still capable of good stuff, plenty of these kind of guys will talk about how LeBron's still the best player in the league. Like, right. they did the same crap with Kobe. Like, years after Kobe was the best player in the league, everyone was like, oh, it's Kobe, the best player in the league. It's like, how no, old is LeBron really? now? 32. 32. He's 32. Yeah. Do you think he's playing in five years? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that would be the I, last year of his super no contract. No question. No that'll question. That would be the last year of the five-year mega contract. I have right? no question. LeBron wants, is going to – LeBron has got to pass going, Will. I mean, going uh, straight Kareem. Tom Brady. He's going straight Tom Brady with the uh, yeah. with the diet. <laughs> well, I think and, his uh, secret plan is he wants to play with LeBron James Jr. I think his secret plan is he wants to be known as the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't and think he knows that's the only The only way that's going to happen is if he ends up being number one on the all-time points scored list. I think if he does that, a lot of people will consider him the greatest player of all time. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, yeah, He's the only I mean, one Mike, left to do it. Michael Jordan was still the best player in the game at 36. So five years from now, could LeBron be the best player in the game at 37? It's not inconceivable with the advances. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think uh, he could. I, think, I don't think he'll be the best, but I think he'll still be good. Yeah. Well... It's hard to imagine Giannis in five years from now, but Giannis could be the best in five years. Well, I mean, he wasn't the best player in the league this year. That's the weird thing. Like, LeBron is strategically not playing defense. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, he no, literally it's... doesn't play any defense. So you can't, in the regular you can't look. Yeah, right. You can't look at him and say, well, he's the best in the league. Because, like, no, he, he wasn't. But now in the playoffs, he is. Yeah. So he's, how, he's playing I, the game I, within the game. I could see this version of LeBron for another three years. I could see like a 35-year-old LeBron dogging it during the regular season, scoring like 22 <laughs> points and eight eight dimes, and everyone like, oh man, LeBron, and they're more just talking about the compiled numbers, and then the playoffs start, and he just goes off. I could totally see that. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, by that point, Seti Osman might be the best player in the NBA. So <laughs> That's my hope anyway. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> uh, anything right, else guys. you want to go over? Uh, do we do we have any more series to cover? No, just that no. the Rockets are still destroying the Spurs by yeah. now thirty-five points. So. Yeah, yikes! Yep, it's going to be a long series. Well, maybe not. Um, maybe not. 
I, I don't I still I, think. I, I, sorry. No, I was going to say I, I think I think game two on Wednesday will be closer, but I still think the Cavs will win it. And I think the like I said, I think the the series will will go five games, and that'll be that. Now and I'm not sure who I who I want to play in the Eastern Conference Finals because I think I I think I probably hate both of those teams equally. Yeah, I I think I would rather play Boston. Although the, the home the court. Wizards, the, what's Mark? What's Marky Morris's status? Is he like? high ankle sprain or is he like going to keep playing he claims he's going to play game two but he thought when it had happened that he broke it that's how bad okay. it was mm, okay yeah the wizards without marquise morris can't defend anyone yeah that's true that is true um i i the only thing that scares me about the celtics is now they have a story now they have an identity they're winning it for the little guy and, yeah. and his sister. Yeah, and you can't even like make fun of it because it just makes you a total bastard if you do. Yep. So I, I that scares me a little. You know that karmically, that's like, ugh. I, I don't know if I want to get involved with that. So, in a way, I'd rather <laughs> play the Wizards. So I'd rather they be the bad guys than us. I think I'd rather play the Wizards just because of the. I'd love to see like the Cleveland DC rivalry sort of, even if it's kind of fake. I'd love to see. That because you know there's DC fans that still think LeBron traveled in Game One and it, yeah. I don't know I think it just could be kind of fun. It could be fun. Crab other, crab dribble. The other thing yeah. I'd like to see is um, the Cavs bench would destroy their bench because their bench is awful. Yeah. Um, so I would enjoy that, but they also run all their starters into the high thirties. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I was telling is someone, is someone riding their motorcycle right now, or what? So what am I hearing? I don't know. You hearing something from my end? I, it sounds like someone is like riding a motorcycle, yeah, <laughs> or mowing their yard. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that, it might be time to to call it a night on that note. But yeah, I will say Cabri, my my uh, washer and dryer are about to go off yet. You know, uh, the Cabrio. I, I don't know if you listened to the pod. I think it was last week, but I week or two weeks ago, I had the Cabrio going off the whole time. <laughs> 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 uh, but I will say, my one prediction is is Houston is the only team besides the Cavs and the Warriors that I see can win this thing if things break right for them. So they have the talent. That that team is a really well put together team with an identity. Yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, I just they're like all offense all the time, but then oh yeah, there's this Patrick Beverly guy that kind of gets in your head. Yeah. Yeah, and so they, earlier this I really like what he adds, the dimension he adds to their team. Oh, I would they were talking about a shump for PF trade and I was like, "Oh my oh god." Oh my god, I would have done that I in a heartbeat. Done that and I would have probably given up Seti Osman for that, even though he's going to be the best cab in five years. So. Wow. <laughs> anyway, high praise. High praise. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of uh, Cavs the Podcast. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.